Well, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness of it. Lord, we know we can rely on it. We know it is truth, Lord, no matter how much the world tries to tell us that they know truth. We know the only truth comes from your word, Lord. So our prayer today is that you would guide us and lead us as we trust in you to enrich our hearts and fill us with that word that only you can give, Lord. So guide us, I pray. Open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear. And we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, this morning we're going to continue in Jeremiah. Uh, last week, you remember, we, uh, Scott ended with chapter 13, and he really, really struggled about going on to chapter 14 uh, because he had notes for that. But guess who ended up with his notes? <laughs> So I'm going to I'm going to use some of those and uh, some of my own, and uh, we're going to going to go through. Lord willing, we're going to do uh, chapters 14 and 15 today. And Jeremiah is um, a, a guy that just is so troubled right now by all that's going on in Judah and. Um, he's trying to get the people to repent. He wants the people to repent, but nobody's listening to him. They've isolated him. They've, they've thrown him out. They don't want to hear anything that he has to say because all they want to do is what they want to do. You know, their, their hearts are, are hardened and, and calloused uh, to God's word, even though they had access to that. And, um, you know... Jeremiah was of a priestly family, and he could have been a priest, and that may have made an easier life for him, but he chose to follow where God led him, and that was to be a prophet. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about his struggles and, and his fate. Uh, actually, the next four chapters are going to go into a lot about um, his struggles and Judah's fate, actually. Uh, but he is a great, Jeremiah is a great example to us. Uh, he's a servant of God, and he's a perfect example of how we should take up our cross and, and follow God. Uh, and Jeremiah, he, he paid a great price to be faithful to the Lord. Um, he was bold before men, yet he was broken before God. So chapter 14 starts out, Verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the droughts. Judah mourns and her gates languish. They mourn for the land and the cry of Jerusalem has gone up. Their nobles have sent their lads for water. They went to cisterns and found no water. They returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed and confounded and covered their heads. So we're getting a, a great picture here of what's going on in the land. It's, uh, it's desolate, uh, with no rain. God has already started his judgments, obviously, with these droughts. You know, it's, the droughts are plural, not singular. So it's not just one drought that, that they're dealing with over the years. Uh, and we know God has used that in many different instances. I think of Elijah. And, and the drought that, uh, that was brought by God through him for three years. And we don't know how long these droughts exactly have been going on, but we know they are a way that God uh, chastens his people and tries to, to get them um, to come back to him. Um, it's, uh, even the nobles, it says, have sent their lads for water. So even the rich people weren't able to get water at this time. And it was not only a catastrophe uh, for 
for men, but it was also a catastrophe for uh, the animals. You know, this is an agrarian society. The crops were failing. Uh, their animals were dying because they had no water. And when you don't have any water and you don't have any rain, you don't have any grass. So there was no grass to, for the domesticated or the wild animals. And uh, I, to me, when, when it says here about um, the, they covered their heads, I found a couple of different references to that. References to that. Um, and one of the thing, things is that they're mourning. They co that's a, a traditional thing that they cover their heads when they mourn. But also, uh, because of their refusal to repent, uh, one, one commentary I looked at, it talked about that. Um, also, I feel like when it says here they return with their vessels empty, um, I immediately, to me, I thought about themselves. You know, our body is is a vessel. Our our body is is uh, filled with the spirit of Christ. But obviously, these people weren't filled with the spirit. That's why they were languishing, uh, because spiritually they were empty, just like uh, their water uh, vessels were empty. Verse 4 says, Because the ground is parched, for there was no rain in the land, the plowmen were ashamed. They covered their heads. Yes, the deer also gave birth in the field, but left because there was no grass. The female deer are, are leaving their, their foals. In, in the field because there's no grass for them to feed on and they're going away to look for grass elsewhere. The wild donkey stood in the desolate heights. They sniffed at the wind like jackals. Their eyes failed because there was no grass. So again, we see the wild animals are failing. They don't have anything to eat or to drink. And um, I know a lot of animals, they sniff the air like to find uh, either food or, or water. And so that's, that's what they were doing, looking and, and doing everything they could to find water. But, but there was no water. And our lives can be spiritually dry as well if, if we let... The things of, of the world control us, and, and the things of this world uh, define us, especially. Um, I know there's been times in my life when, when spiritually I've been just to, to the point where I'm thinking, God, where are you? I think of right now, I think of my mother. And, and she's, she said to me a couple of different times, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Because she is struggling so much because of, of my dad and, and because of the things uh, that are going on with him. And, and also, um, even in her own life, um, my mom's a strong Christian lady. And she, bottom line, she's ready to go be with Jesus. She loves the Lord, and, and she just doesn't understand right now uh, why th this is happening the way it is. But um, I tell her, I say, I say, Mom, the reason this is happening right to you right now is so I can be blessed, so I can bless you, and then the Lord blesses me. That works great, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, that may not be it, but I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, I just feel like she's in kind of a period of dryness right now as well. But I'm trying to lift her spirits and, and whenever we're there and try to do everything we can for her. Verse 7 says, O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. So, both the saved and the unsaved here, they're, pl they're, they're praying uh, in their time of trouble. In verse 8 it says, Oh, the hope of Israel, his Savior in time of trouble, why should you be like a stranger in the land and like a traveler who turns aside to tarry for a night? Why should you be like a man astonished 
like a mighty one who cannot save. Yet you, O Lord, are in our midst, and we call by your name. Do not leave us. Again, the people are crying out to God, but don't even unsaved people or people that are on the fringes of, of of a relationship with the Lord they cry out to the Lord too. But the people's prayers, they were just of sorrow and they were of remorse, but not repentance. And that's the key thing. That they, were, they needed to be repentant and they weren't repentant. Uh, Jeremiah, I want to go back just for a second um, to uh, chapter 7. And uh, Jeremiah had, had confronted them in chapter 7, and it's in verses 9 and 10. And he says, uh, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house? which is called by my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations. So they're still doing all the things. They're being disobedient. They're, they're doing everything that God doesn't want them to do, but they still expect him to come and answer their prayers for them. But we're going to see um, God's judgment. It's righteous. And again, because they're on the wrong side of his covenant, uh, he's not blessing them because his covenant told them if you, if you are, are obedient, you will be blessed. But if you're disobedient, you will face judgment. And that's what was happening to him right now. And God's response in verse 10, Thus says the Lord to this people, Thus they have loved to wander, they have not restrained their feet, Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. So, we saw, we've seen this uh, really since the very beginning uh, of the book that the people just don't want to listen to, uh, to Jeremiah. And their, their punishment had already begun, as we saw with the droughts. Uh, it, it's, it's been happening and again, the people will not repent. They will not relent of, of their sins. And God is, he's long-suffering, but he just, he can only take so much. If you are habitually sinning, then, you know, there comes a point when God says enough. And we, you know, um, it, it's a sad, sad thing. But we need to be faithful to the Lord. Chapter, verse 11, Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. So we see, again, God's patience has run out. He didn't want to hear their prayers. He didn't even want uh, Jeremiah to, to pray for them. He wasn't going to see their fasting, and he wasn't going to accept their sacrifices. The, na- uh, the nation was destined for the sword, for famine, for pestilence at the hands of the Babylonians. And... Uh, again, he has been long-suffering with them for many, many decades and centuries, actually. And they just, they just want to have their own way. They want to do their own thing. Verse 13, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, the prophet's prophecy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, deceit of, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say, Sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed. I find it uh, interesting that, that these people even... What, where their mindset is at, that they want to follow uh, the false prophecies. Uh, Jeremiah, I think he is approaching uh, God on the basis that, hey, you know, give these guys a break because they're, they're listening to these false prophets and they're telling them all this stuff, even though it's not true. But, you know, um, God's... God's patience, again, it had run out. And um, even though that Jeremiah uh, was blaming all this stuff on the false prophets, you know, again, we, we fall back to uh, uh, our responsibility. You know, the people have a responsibility as well to, to discern what, if, you know, obviously we don't have a lot of prophets now, but, but we do have a lot of people that are telling us a lot of things. They're telling us a lot of, of things, uh, especially some, a lot in religion and, and there's just so much other stuff that's out there that's crazy, that, that, but some people listen to it. They, and we know um, the characteristic of true prophets, number one, their prophecy has to come true and be 100% accuracy. And the second thing is, it must, uh, the message must agree with the Word of God. So how can these people think that uh, these, these prophets are prophesying good to them when they, he's, they're telling them to go worship Baal? That's not what God tells us to do. We're, we're to worship God and God alone and nobody else. And we're to glorify him and him alone and nobody else. So, again, the people were just as responsible for the, the situation they were in uh, as was uh, the false prophets. And, um, again, you can't believe a prophecy when it tells you to get, go against God's word. And we know Satan was probably at work there because he's the father of lies. And... Uh, he's always ready to lead the people astray. How do we, uh, the other, you know, the only way that we as, as Christians and believers in the Lord can dis, uh, discern whether a prophecy is true or what people are telling us are, is true or not is right here, right here. We've got to go to the word of the Lord because we know it's truth and we know that whatever's in there, uh, God wrote, and, and it's for our good. And we must uh, seek that knowledge uh, from the Word and also uh, through the filling of the, of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, if you remember in uh, Acts 17, uh, the Bereans were a good example to us because Paul told us that they went... Anything they were told, they went and they looked it up. They and they used their discernment uh, to to decide whether what was being preached to them was right or wrong. And we know there were all kinds of, of people going around at that time preaching all kinds of different things. Um, the the Herodians and I mean. Um, uh, I, 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 it's not coming to me right now, but there are all kinds of, of uh, heretics that were going around preaching uh, things that, that were not true. Verse 16 says, And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. They will have no one to bury them, them nor their wives, their sons nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness out on them. So again, we see um, God's judgment is coming, and they won't. They're going to be. Uh, they're going to die by famine and by the sword. And um, it was a very humiliating thing to the Jewish people to not be buried, and so they were going to not only suffer. 
the humiliation of death and defeat at the hands of the Babylonians, but also their bodies were not going to even be buried. Verse uh, 17, Therefore you say this word to them, Let my eyes flow with tears night and day, and let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke, with a very severe blow. If I go out to the field, then behold, those slain with the sword. And if I enter the city, then behold, those sick from famine, yes, both prophet and priest, go about in a land they do not know. So Jeremiah, is, he's again weeping. He's crying with tears um, about the destruction that's coming. And he's, uh, the thing you have to admire about Jeremiah is he does have a true compassion for these people. Even though they're on the wrong side of the Lord, everything they're doing is, for the most part, is wrong. But yet, like our Lord, he still has a love for them. He cares about them. And he wants them to repent and, and come back to the Lord and be close to the Lord. Um, it's, it's like uh, he's their father, you know, uh, like, our, like God is our father. He's, he's trying to fill, fulfill that role, uh, but, but it's a metaphor. I mean, he has compassion uh, like a father does for, for children that have gone astray, but um, they, just, they just seem to not want to listen to him. They just don't want to listen to him. Uh, verse 19, have you utterly rejected Judah? Why have you stricken us so that there is no healing for us? We looked for peace, but there was no good, and for the time of healing, and there was trouble. So Jeremiah, uh, again, he sees the prophetic destruction, and he feels like God is rejecting Judah totally. But uh, there are going to be better things coming in the future, but it's going to be in a distant future. Verse 20, we acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. So they know they're sinning. They know that their fathers sinned. But do not abhor us for your name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not break your covenant with us. Are there any among the idols of the nations that can cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord, our God? Therefore, we will wait for you since you have made all these. So they, they when um, in verse 20 there where it says, we acknowledge, O Lord, I really think that is Jeremiah and it should be I acknowledge. Um, but even even though God told him to pray, he again, he can't help but continue his lament to the Lord. Uh, he wants to honor God's namesake and the throne of his glory. That's what it says there. And we know in our lives, though, there's only one that can satisfy us and to give us our most fundamental needs, and that's Jesus, our our only God and Savior. And we have to realize in our lives that God is in control of all aspects, not only of our lives, but in the world as well. Um, sometimes he per permits uh, disasters. Um, he, he permits pestilences in nations at times. Um, but also he allows things in our own lives individually and why does he do that? Sometimes it's to bring us to our knees and to go to him. So, and maybe we're not being as faithful, <clears throat> excuse me, or as trusting as we need to be to the Lord. And, and that, I'm not saying that's always, always why. I mean, there are other things that happen uh, in the world that that are not of God, but God does control the nations, I feel like, and he does 
show us which way we need to go in our lives. And when we go to him in prayer, um, that's, that's just the first step. That's the first step of, of what we need to be doing. And when we go to him in prayer and we listen to him, then the Holy Spirit will, our helper, will, will teach us and show us uh, where, what else we need to do, be doing in our lives. The Lord will not relent, chapter 15. Then the Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Now that's pretty strong there, even if Moses and Samuel. Uh, he, uh, this, this message begins another message about the coming captivity. And um, he, God doesn't, is not going to relent at this time no matter who intercedes for the people. I mean, Jeremiah is trying his best uh, but even if Moses came, and we know that there were a lot of, uh, Moses had his issues at times. I mean, he had to deal with his brother and the golden calf, and then uh, Joshua, um, he, he had issues at times uh, with following the Lord. We know he didn't pray uh, when he should have uh, before they, he went to try and conquer Ai. Um, and then came the time of the judges, and that was the time of Samuel when there were the people at that time, if you'll remember, they were only doing what was right in their own eyes. And... They wanted a king, just like all the other nations, but all the other nations were not God's chosen people. That, but they saw something in those other nations that, that they liked, and they thought, so they thought they should have a king too. Um, but now they'd be punished uh, by being exiled from, from the promised land. Uh, without repentance uh, only comes destruction. And it shall be, if they say to you, where should we go? Then you shall tell them, thus says the Lord, such as are for death to death, and such as for the sword to the sword, and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as for the captivity to the captivity. Four, four fates awaited the people that wouldn't repent. Four fates. Death from disease, death by war and the sword, starvation, and finally, captivity. It's a sobering, sobering fate for these people. And It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they had all their leaders were corrupt and the priests weren't doing what they should be doing. Um, and, and also the people, again, we have a responsibility to, to seek out and, and find what the Lord is telling us and what's right and what's wrong. And it's found in his word. And if we ignore that, then we could very well end up in one of these states like, like the, the people of Judah. And I will appoint over them forms, four forms of destruction, says the Lord. The sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds of the heavens, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. I will hand them over to trouble to all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. And so we're seeing that part of the problem uh, with the people is, is because of some things that Manasseh did. We know, we've heard Scott tell, talk about him being uh, the most evil king 
that was in, ever in Judah. And uh, obviously he was one, ra uh, he was one reason uh, the kingdom was in the shape it was in. And it wasn't necessarily his sin that uh, the nation was being punished for, however, but the sins of the, of the people that were, they were led into the sins by Manasseh. The, the sins of, like I said there, um, that they were worshiping Baal and, and uh, you know, I wasn't saying it that verses, but it, it was talking about it earlier there about worshiping Baal. Um, and anyway, the Jews didn't, um, like Manasseh repented at the end of his life. He, um, some, for some reason, he ended up uh, at the end of his life uh, giving it over to the Lord and trusted, trusting in the Lord. And Maybe because of his repentance, uh, he's in heaven right now. But the point of that is that it's never too late to repent, you know. Um, and when we do repent, if it's a true repentance, then we use the rest of our lives to follow the Lord and, and to glorify God. But the Jews, they didn't follow uh, after Manasseh in, in that aspect of his life. They only followed in the aspect of sinning. And they, again, they just wanted to do what they wanted to do. And they didn't want to follow the Lord and do what he was telling them to do. Verse 5 says, For who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside to ask, How are you doing? How you are doing? You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You have gone backward. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of relenting. So again, God is telling them he's done everything. He's, he's had patience with them. He's warned them. He's warned them, and he's warned them. And now it's time for judgment. Uh, he was tired of it. And he couldn't relent in his chastening any longer. Verse 7, And I will winnow them with a winnowing fan in the gates of the land. In other words, he's saying that he's just going to separate them like chaff from the wheat. I will, I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people since they do not return from their ways. Their widows will be increased to me more than the sand of the seas. I will bring against them, against the mother of the young men, a plunderer at noonday. I will cause anguish and terror to fall on them suddenly. And he also says, She languishes who has borne seven. She has breathed her last. Her son has gone down while it was yet day. She has been ashamed and confounded, and the remnant of them I will deliver to the sword before their enemies, says the Lord. She languishes who has borne seven. In, in that time period, it was um, a, thought of as to be a real blessing to have a lot of children. Uh, because the children were going to be the ones, uh, when the parents grew older, they were going to be the ones to take care of their, their parents and, and to help them. There wasn't, wasn't any Social Security back then. There wasn't any, uh, you know, any federal uh, social programs to, uh, you know, to bring, to help them and to feed them and, and to do do things for the older people so it was up to the children but he's saying she languishes who's born seven all her sons were going to be killed and to me when it says she has breathed her last that kind of means that she may have died of grief because of those children had all died um, 
it's it's just such a sad picture such a sad picture um, God 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 talks about so many things down through here he says I will winnow I will bereave them I will destroy I will bring against them I will cause anguish um, when God is our problem God is the only solution you know their problems are being brought on by themselves but then God is is punishing them for it but they still refuse to turn to God um, it's it's amazing really but you know we see these things in the time of Jesus as well you know that's one way I kind of see where Jesus and Jeremiah kind of fought the same battles you know he's trying to tell the people Jeremiah is what what's wrong and what they're doing wrong Jesus is trying to tell the Pharisees hey you guys you know you're following all these traditions and you're doing all these things that you think are by the book but that's not what God wants you to be doing he wants you to protect the widows protect the orphans and to not think of yourself as higher than other people just because you're a Pharisee but yet you know they wouldn't listen to Jesus as well and there if you I'm not going to go into it today but if you do some reading and research there's a lot of, of parallels between Jesus and Jeremiah and and his the way they taught and um, another thing that comes to mind is about uh, Jesus when he wept over Jerusalem and he's you know he says I want to gather them like a chick like chicks under my wings uh, Jeremiah is trying to do the same thing he's weeping over Jer Jerusalem because they won't listen they won't listen to what God is trying to to tell them and it's um, it's just a sad, sad state of affairs. Um, verse 10 says, Woe is me, this is Jeremiah again speaking, Woe is me, my mother, that you have borne me, a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. Who's that sound like? Job? Remember Job talking about uh, he wished that he'd never been born for all the calamities that had that had come to him in his life. I have neither lent for interest, nor have men lent to me for interest. Every one of them curses me. Uh, things are so bad now for Jeremiah that, again, he wishes he'd never been warned. It seems the weight of the nation is on him, and he feels like everyone is against him. And it does seem like that. I mean, he's, he's alone. And he's, he's like all of us, you know. I mean, we all want to be liked, right? We all want to be liked. We, we want people to like us and care about us. But Jeremiah wasn't finding anybody in, in, his, in the whole, at least his inner circle there, or the people that were surrounding him, uh, that, that were, they, they were just shunning him, and they were against him. Um, and he feels like he doesn't deserve the, the, all this ridicule he was receiving um, because, after all, he was only doing what the Lord was asking him to do, right? I mean, he was only asking what the Lord was telling him to do. But he, like we, sometimes pay a price uh, for our faithfulness to the Lord. And um, we see it all over the world that the people uh, that are following the Lord, they are, uh, I mean, we're fortunate. We're so fortunate in this country that, I mean, we're all gathered here. We don't have to worry about the stormtroopers coming in and shutting us down. Or um, uh, Abby said something this morning about we don't have to go underground to, to, uh, to worship and, and to hear the word of the Lord. But there are places that are like that, that they don't, they don't have the availability to hear the word spoken or to even praise the Lord. Um, we know we can praise the Lord even in our hearts without speaking, but 
but it when we can do it in a corporate fashion like we do here it's it's so much better so much better i mean we i think of our church as a family of people and i care about each and every one of you guys and and um, we've seen it in the past how um, when someone's in trouble people respond to that that need and uh, that's what uh, church families do and that's what we need to do not only in our church family but beyond as well verse 11 um, says the Lord said surely it will be well with your remnant surely I will cause the enemy to intercede with you in the time of adversity and then the time of affliction so God's trying to reassure Jeremiah here can anyone break iron the northern iron and the bronze so we're back to um, what what Babylon is going to be doing here soon uh, they are, they're the northern iron and um, that speaks to the iron they have is is greater than the uh, it speaks to their superiority of their army over the superiority of, of uh, Jerusalem and Judah and their their army can any uh, your wealth and your treasures I will give as plunder without price because of all your sins throughout your territory so the Babylonians are going to take everything all their gold all their uh, resources and I will make you cross over with your enemies into a land which you do not know for a fire is kindled in my anger which shall burn upon you so right there he tells them, you know, there's gonna, you're going to be exiled uh, to Babylon. Um, so this, in verse 15, it says, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your enduring patience, do not take me away. Know that for your sake I have suffered rebuke. So again, uh, Jeremiah is just telling the Lord, I need you. I need you. We sang that this morning. Lord, I need you. And, and Jeremiah is saying the same thing. I need you, Lord, and, and I need your protection. And um, I covet that. Verse 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So God is, uh, Jeremiah is finding joy in God's words. And when, we, when he talks about eating the words, uh, that means that he's internalizing the words. I mean, he's not literally picking up the word and chewing on it. I mean, he's, he's taking it into his heart and, and internalizing it into his soul. And um, verse 17 says, I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. So he, here he jumps back from... Uh, saying, Lord, I know your word, and, and uh, I'm internalizing your word, and it's great, but now he's back to lamenting because of his loneliness, and uh, he stood for God's word, but received only indignation and, and ridicule by doing that. And he says here in verse 18, Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail so wow uh, Jeremiah here um, he's he's a gentle man and he's a sensitive man but he's also a man he's been rejected by his people and at this point he feels so overwhelmed and vulnerable that uh, he's not sure he can survive without help from the Lord. Um, but I say to you all, can any of us survive without God? No, we can't. But he also here makes this statement about God like 
God, are you going to fail me? Um, he's revealing his true feelings of despair, and he's bringing them to God with an honest concern. Um, and he's also, he knows he's, uh, he's felt alone and unloved and isolated. Um, but we know that we have felt that, uh, all of us at one time or another. But when he says that God would fail him, um, however, that just went just a little bit too far. Um, and so what happens next? Uh, therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, if you return, and we saw that uh, back um, in chapter 3, I think we talked a lot about returning to the Lord. The Lord was talking to his people about, return to me and I will return to you, return to me and I will return to you. And so... That's what God is telling uh, Jeremiah right here. If you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vial, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. So God's, God's reassuring um, Jeremiah here. And, uh, but we can't return or compromise. Uh, we have to stand fast and be faithful to what the truth is. And unfortunately, our society, uh, through the workings of Satan, is constantly trying to compromise our morals and our godly lifestyle. And um, God, God's never going to fail us. You know, he, he gives us what we need, but we can't compromise. Uh, we got to stand fast and be faithful again to what the truth is. Um, he, uh, Jeremiah here is, again, like I said, he's, he's a man that feels uh, like he's got the weight of the nation on him, and, and he, he's just... Um, He's just in mourning, lamenting, and um, he doesn't know uh, where to turn. But I say that, but he does know where to, to turn, and that's to God. Um, our God is good, and he's glorious, and he takes care of us. And we must remember that. Verse 20, And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and hey, a wall is one thing, but a bronze wall, that's really a strong wall. And they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. So that's God's uh, final reassurance to him in this chapter. Uh, he tells Jeremiah he's not going anywhere. And Jeremiah needs to continue to walk by faith, uh, no matter what he, what he feels or what he sees. Um, I know we sing a song about that a lot. No matter what we see and no matter what we feel, we, we, have, to, um, we have to remain faithful to the Lord and in all that we say and do. God never promised Jeremiah or us, uh, that our job here on earth would be easy. But he does promise to give us all the tools that we need to do it. And um, it's, is it unusual for God's servants to be discouraged? Not, not at all. I mean, all through history, all through the Bible, we've seen guys be discouraged. Moses, Joshua, Elijah, uh, Jonah, they all had times of discouragement in their lives. And it's hard for us to ignore those feelings of discouragement, and especially if we're being ridiculed for what we believe. Um, but uh, we can trust God, and we can trust Him to change our feelings 
as long as we are walking in faith with the Lord. Um, so Jeremiah uh, is a great example to us of that. Um, and, and what do we learn from these two chapters? Um, I think we learn, first of all, that there may be droughts in our lives, uh, things that we must suffer through, uh, but when those things occur, we need to examine our own hearts and uh, focus on our faithfulness to God. Um, Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David told us that in Psalm 139, and, and it's, it's so true. And the, that's the first thing we need to do uh, when we feel like we're going through these droughts in our lives or these, discouragement, these discouragements. First look to ourselves to see if there's something in our lives that's causing it. But then go to the Lord. Go to Him in prayer. And, and go to him trusting that he will deliver us from whatever it is that we're suffering from. So thank you, Lord. Thank you today for your goodness, for your mercy, for all things that you give us. Lord, you're our creator. You're the one that gives us godly wisdom that we need to live through the droughts of life. You are faithful to us, Lord. Help us to be more faithful to you. Help us to desire that close, close-knit relationship with you that uh, can only come from studying your word, being in the truth, praying to you, and then letting the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Lord, we love you, and we know how much you love us and care about us. And um, we just want to give you each and every day all the glory and all the praise and all the honor that you deserve. So again, I pray, lead us and guide us this week, and we'll give you all that glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, and you guys have a great week.